Welcome to I've Got One. I'm Andy Sharapsky. And I'm Jim O'Connell. It is Saturday, March 28th. We are back in our living room about to call our friend Prince Schultz. Prince works in HR in the healthcare field. So while he's not on the front lines, he is supporting those people. So he has some unique perspective that we're hoping to get from him. He's also a good friend of ours and a great storyteller. So we're excited to talk to him. So my name is Prince. I'm originally from the East Coast, from Massachusetts. I'm currently here in Chicago. I work actually for a hospital group. So um, I'm not a healthcare provider. I work in a corporate function. I would give a disclaimer that I'm not an official representative of the organization type of thing, just an individual with experiences. And so, Prince, as somebody who works in healthcare, I know you're not obviously out on the front lines as a doctor, but someone who supports that staff. Do you have any sort of tips or things like that that maybe are unique to your perspective? Yeah, I was just going to say there's actually uh, two things that, that I kind of been thinking about um, relative to this that I don't know um, how much other people are aware of. So. If you guys are okay with me taking a minute to do a little bit of like soapbox education. Please, yeah. So um, I think there's there's uh, two things that I want to touch on. The first being the Red Cross is noting an extreme shortage of blood supply. So donating blood is extremely important any time of the year, but especially now. Um, and leaving your home to donate blood is an excusable, you know, essential practice. And there are ways to go out and donate your blood. So please do visit the Red Cross's website to, you know, find more information about donating blood because it is, we're always in short supply, but we're in especially, you know, dire need right now. So just, you know, a little PSA there. Um, the other thing is more of a complaint slash education. And that's, you know, obviously most of us are spending our time um, at home and inside, but, you know, we're able to go out to the grocery store or whatnot and get food. I have kind of like a problem when I see people at the grocery store wearing masks. Um, and this may be a strange opinion, um, but so there's there's two kinds of masks that you really could be wearing. There's a surgical mask and there's their, the N95 mask. So the surgical mask, that doesn't that's not going to give you any real protection. There's two reasons that those masks are used in a hospital setting, and they're really the only purposeful uh, use for it. And that's surgeons or doctors wear them so that they do not cough and sneeze mm -hmm. and get somebody who's maybe immunocompromised sick or... Um, you know, in threat of common cold and, you know, normal times. Mm -hmm. Or um, the other way around, those masks should be worn by people who are sick and are coughing and sneezing mm -hmm. who are going to the hospital so that they don't infect other people. Mm -hmm. The N95 mask, everybody has been hearing, and it is true, there is a shortage of N95 masks. And those do actually provide some sort of protection. But the other side of that, too, is... 
those masks are needed critically by the people who are working directly with COVID patients mm -hmm. who have tested positive, who are at risk of spreading the disease. Mm -hmm. I think it's really sort of irresponsible um, for you know private people to just be wearing them around because that shortens the already short supply for the people who actually need them. When you go out to your grocery shopping, like social distancing covers a lot of it, you know, wash your hands, you know, all that stuff that that's going to get you 99% of the way when you're out in the public in terms of protection. Obviously, there's going to be those 1% where you touch a doorknob and you didn't wash your hands and you touch your face and then you, you get it because the last person who touched it also had it. But um, I just, you know, it kind of bothers me when I see people out in public wearing those masks because it means, in my mind, one of two things. It means either you're taking away from the supply from the people who are going into a hospital every day to a hotbed of you know, infectious people and you're taking away supply that could help save them. Or it means that you are sick with COVID and you're leaving your home, which is totally irresponsible in and of itself, yeah. given how contagious it is. Yeah. So I, I, I always shake my head when I see, you know, I don't say anything because I understand that, you know, people aren't fully aware of these things. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, I just I felt like it was a good opportunity to, you know, voice that, that. For sure. No, I'm glad you did. I think like, unfortunately, like we're seeing a lot of like every person for themselves behavior right now. Like, yes, like those of us who are staying at home are part of like the community effort to help protect everybody. But I think with the toilet paper hoarding and people still trying to get um, masks and, and other PPE, like we're seeing a lot of people being like, yeah, 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 I hear you, but it's more important that like, I feel as comfortable as possible. And I get that everybody's scared. I mean, I'm terrified of going to the grocery store. It like really inflames my anxiety right now, but yeah, we're seeing, I think we're seeing a lot of behavior of people being like, I'm, I hear you, but I'm not going to listen. Cause like I need, I need me to feel safe and protected and I don't really care as much about everyone else. So I thank you for sharing that. That's really helpful. I, and I, it, that's the thing is like, it is, it is kind of scary because, you know, while I, I think the other side of this too is, and I think the media has been covering this a little bit more as well. So it's hopefully more common knowledge. Well, it, you know, obviously people who are, um, you know, already immunocompromised and those who are of, you know, the older age groups are more susceptible and more likely to, you know, experience the the worst that this virus has. But I do think it is important to note that there are perfectly healthy 30-year-olds who have contracted the virus and have died from it. Yeah. Um, even after seeking care and getting, you know, help. So while the odds for younger people are on your side that you will be fine and you'll experience some of the milder symptoms, you know, if you if you can avoid contracting the virus, that, you know, that's just one less risk that, you know, you don't need to take. been having everyone sort of like tell a story or something fun and I was going to see if you could 
tell the story of uh, of the hotel room. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me let me um, get in the right mindset, the right environment uh, to relive the experience. Great. story uh, happened in August of 2019. My two friends, uh, Ben, Jesse, and I had uh, plans to drive from Chicago to the East Coast to New Jersey um, because every August, you know, it's a nice time to go to the Jersey Shore and get your water ace and uh, <laughs> yes. you know, have a good time down the shore. Uh, so that was our plan just so happens that um, Jesse and Ben work for a school system, so they were off for summer vacation, and so they have a little bit more free time. They said they wanted to drive down in, like, the course of a day and just kind of, like, really get there quick and fast as opposed to a slower route, so I was all for doing that. We decided to leave on a Friday. Uh, They were just wrapping up at uh, summer camp. Uh, It was the last day of camp. I was, you know, leaving my office. I put in a regular work day and we were going to leave at 5 p.m. and start driving east. And the plan was to um, get as far as possible, kind of see where we end up. And, you know, at at a certain point, get a hotel night for just, you know, a quick night's sleep and then get back on the road and be there by, um, I think our target was around noon. Uh, driving down, listening to some music, we're talking shit, we're, you know, doing things that, you know, three people in a, in a minivan would do on a drive, you know, an 18-hour drive would do. Got uh, all the way through Indiana pretty uneventfully, making our way through Ohio. Uh, it's starting to get pretty late at this point. It's like 8 or 9 o'clock. Um, and I think uh, our, our first omen of the evening was uh, at our the rest stop that we picked, which is a rest stop off of the Turnpike in Ohio. You could tell everybody was on edge because nobody wanted to be in this Ohio rest stop off the Turnpike. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to keep going to where they were going. We got back on the road, started driving, and it, you know it's getting pretty late at this point. We're getting closer to the Ohio border uh, with Pennsylvania, and you know we're it's maybe. I don't know, uh, somewhere between like 11, 12, and we start seeing signs for Cleveland, so we know we're getting really close. Our initial plan was to cross the border into Pennsylvania. Once we get into Pennsylvania, we'll find you know some sort of hotel to stay at and uh, call it a night and then get up early, get back on the road. Jesse pulls out his phone, he starts looking for hotels um, nearby. We find one that's maybe like 20 more miles or so. And, you know, we said, you know, we, we can probably make it. And then um, we're maybe about halfway or maybe a little less than that to this hotel. And we realized that the gas tank is like negative red. Like it, it is like so empty that we were actually terrified um, that we we're going to be on fumes because we had not filled up a single time since leaving Chicago. Oh my god! And how, how it just caught you off guard? Yeah, we, we didn't we didn't really ever think about it. Um, when we stopped at that gas there, the uh, um, Turnpike rest stop, you know, I don't know why none of us thought, you know, oh maybe we should get gas here. 
we just none of us thought of it at any point uh, i have no idea why we're still on the highway jesse and i just say you know what next next stop we'll just pull over um at this point it's probably i don't know it's like one in the morning or something it's a little after one maybe fill up the tank and then we you know see oh look there's a, a day's in over there that's you know that's good enough we don't need anything fancy we'll you know see if they have any space we're only gonna you know sleep for maybe five hours and then get back on the road and uh keep going We finally get our way to, to the entrance. It's like this weird sort of side driveway to get to the Days Inn, even though we were like driving around the Days Inn initially. Um, couldn't find anywhere to park because uh, all of the spaces close to the hotel were filled. Uh, and this is like external motel style, so the doors don't, it's not an actual inside building, it's a motel where the doors open to the outside world. Anyways, we, we finally get there. Ben and I are, are grabbing bags from the minivan that we're going to take inside. And Jesse, you know, runs over to the office to see if there's any availability. And he walks into the office and there's there's nobody there. The lights are on. Um, you know, I think there's a TV on that's playing. Like, but there's, there's no human there. Um, turns out he had walked by somebody who was like smoking a cigarette you would have no idea that this person was an employee anywhere you just think they were another guest and they were actually the clerk uh, but they they took like two minutes like they they finished their cigarette they were like, <laughs> that guy can wait uh, i don't know uh so finally went in and uh you know jesse said hey do you have any rooms for the night and he said yes we do um but we only have smoking rooms we're like, okay, well, that's fine. Uh, you know, we're not going to stay very long anyways. So um, we, we ended up taking the room and uh, they give us the key. We, you know, start walking to the room is now it is, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's, I think 2 a.m. because of the time zone difference in our heads. It's like 1 a.m. and we're exhausted, but it's actually 2 a.m. Uh, at this days in an hour outside of Pittsburgh and literally every single motel room the blinds are open the lights are on there's people like like talking or whatever it's like it's the most bizarre thing because you wouldn't there's no concert venue nearby you know there's no reason that anybody staying here would be up late like the only reason to stay here is because you're like us you're transients and you're just looking for a place to crash um, but no, there's there's tons of activity, tons of light. People's doors are just open, just open to like <laughs> just full open. Like and these are, you know, the doors don't have uh, any sort of waiting or springs in them. So they they just stay open by themselves. Um, and so we, you know, walk by, you know, a bunch of windows trying not to peer in too much. But, you know, you're walking literally right by an open window, an open door. Um, realize we have to go up, find the staircase, and we start uh, going up the staircase and uh, sort of diagonally across ahead of us, uh, at the top of the staircase, there was another open door. This time, however, uh, there was 
one or maybe two, we're not sure, people. Uh, fully naked. <laughs> and just, just like looking at us. Genitalia was seen, but we're not sure what the genitalia was. <laughs> it was. There was like movement at the same time where they were like rotating and there was a butt. And Jesse uh, <laughs> and Ben saw more of it. Um, I, I had blinders on the whole time. Like I already knew that this was a sketchy fucking days in and I immediately <laughs> put blinders on. So I, I barely saw it. Um, but they'll have to tell you uh, a little bit more about what lies beyond that door, but we still don't know. <laughs> so we get, we get kind of like turned around and we're like walking around on the balconies of the second floor. And we, um, finally like think we're getting close because the numbers start, you know, counting down closer to our hotel room. And uh, there's a woman standing outside of our hotel room door. Like right outside of our door, smoking a cigarette. And we just were very confused. Um, so, you know, Jesse was like, oh, I think we're there. And she kind of just gave us this look and stepped aside. We opened the hotel room. And um, it is the single most heinous hotel room I have personally ever seen in my life. Um, I've I've stayed at some sketchy, cheap ass hotel rooms to save a buck, uh, and I have never seen anything this fucking horrendous. <laughs> um, so the bed sheet and the bed covers were just thoroughly stained like not not like a single tiny like like dime sized spot no there was like a stain where like somebody gave birth and <laughs> after birth just kind of like uh, washed off and then they God. put the sheets back on uh, like there's absolutely semen stains like you name the bodily fluid and it was stained on these sheets in excess. Uh, it was it was absolutely disgusting. Uh, so uh, we you know figure we're not going to be spending the whole night there. Uh, decide that uh, you know we'll we'll probably sleep on top of the covers. We just need to like close our eyes for just a couple of hours and we were going to get up and like hit the road very early. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that, and Jesse and Ben hate me for this. And I, you know, not that I was trying to hide it from them. Um, <laughs> it just didn't naturally come up. I actually had an early morning conference call that I had <laughs> to be on for work the next day. So I didn't, I didn't tell them that I had this, this call that I needed to be on. Cause I figured, you know what? I needed to be on this call at, uh, I think it was 7 a.m. Chicago time. So I knew it was going to be 6 a.m. Eastern time. And I thought, you know what? This call is going to be like 10 minutes. I'll be on and off. They'll probably still be asleep. You know, uh, little did I know the state of our hotel room uh, was going to be as such because we did not get 
very much sleep, uh, very you know qualified sleep. And we we must have looked like like Ken dolls laying on the beds, fully clothed, <laughs> like arms out, trying not to touch anything. Uh, so we we lay down, we go to bed, and then this next part only I witnessed. And I don't know if it was like a fever dream or if it actually happened because. Ben and Jesse did not see it happening. Um, in the middle of the night, somebody started shaking our door and attempting to open it. I literally, I like woke up and looked over and saw the door and saw like the crack, the, the light crack, like growing and shrinking and hearing the chain rattle as somebody was like pushing in the door, trying to get in, trying to see if they can get in this door. Oh my God. I was frozen because I was just like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they get through. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, then it just stopped. So I get up the next morning and uh, I start my call. Ben and Jesse are still asleep. So I was, you know, thinking like, okay, that's fine. It'll only take me a couple minutes. Uh, they then eventually wake up and I'm still doing this and they're like, what the fuck is Prince doing right now? Uh, they're very confused because they also want to get the fuck out of this day's in. And I do too, but I have Wi-Fi and I need to do this task for my job. So uh, I had to, to kind of stick it out. In the meantime, Jesse and Ben are you know, just kind of like sitting around and Jesse goes to use the bathroom and that's when he discovers uh, the hole. Um, (laughs) So in the bathroom, straight across from the toilet at eye level when you're sitting, there's just this like tennis ball sized hole and it's it's just black darkness (laughs) that looked back into your soul. The two of them are obviously a little bit ticked off, uh, and I, you know, apologize. And but we're ready to go, so we have our bags, and we're we're like planning our escape. We <laughs> like took a minute to say like, okay, uh, we're gonna dash to the car, and then we're going to drive by, and we're just gonna throw the key card into the door <laughs> of the. the wow. uh, so we get our bags ready to go, and uh, at this point, it's like. I don't know, like 8 a.m. and maybe 7.30, 8 a.m., somewhere around there. And still, all the doors of the motel, wide open. All of the blinds, <laughs> wide open. Lights on. Like, do, do any of these people sleep? What happened here last night? <laughs> um, so we're walking by, um, beelining it for the most direct avenue that, you know, we can get to to um, get to the van and get the fuck out of there. And as we're walking by one of these wide open hotel rooms, Jesse goes by first. And before Ben and I have a chance to go by, this man pops out of the doorway, says, hey, hey, to get Jesse's attention. is pointing down at the ground behind him and says, hey, you dropped your pocket. We walk by uh, two broken toilets that are in the hallway. Oh my God. God, I totally forgot about the toilet. <laughs> Start racing down the stairs to get to the van. And at the bottom of the stairs, staring back up at us is this old woman. 
just staring at us with this sort of questioning hatred, turned her head and stared at us as we walked by her to get to the van. Get in, throw our stuff in, look up to the balcony to see the guy who had pranked us is still looking down at us, his eyes following us, gaze watching us as we get in. Uh, the woman who was smoking outside her door actually had come out of his hotel room and was also standing on the balcony looking down at us. The the sort of last moments of it as we're getting ready to uh, get back on the road is um, there's a McDonald's that we were going to stop at real quick. I mean, we're already sort of like shook by the days in and this McDonald's is like 20 feet away, but we didn't want to stop after last night. We're just like, we got to get there. And uh, also my call took a little bit longer. So that put us a little bit behind schedule. I'll take a little bit of blame for that. But uh, <laughs> as we're, we're ordering the most, this just the strangest conversation that we had with the person. Um, I think we ended up getting like two black coffees and like two McMuffins or something. And Ben Ben's ordering uh, an iced coffee. You want six iced coffees? <laughs> no, just one iced coffee. How do you want that? Black. Okay, so six iced coffees. No, no, no. One iced coffee, and uh, I'll have it black. Just nothing in it. Just black. You're like, okay, uh, so you want it black? Do you want liquid sugar in it or uh, like? No, I just <laughs> want a black coffee. Uh, finally order it. And uh, we got now we have a full tank of gas days in behind us. We see off to the left as we're starting to drive away behind the days in just a little bit uh, is a perfectly nice looking holiday in <laughs> <laughs> that we did not see. Um <laughs> Yeah, so uh, then we, we got back on the road. Yeah, if anybody is ever passing through Pennsylvania, do not stop in Hamarville. <laughs> <laughs> we were in a David Lynch film. There were cameras somewhere. Thank you so much to Prince for talking to us for his harrowing tale and also before that his very practical tips for dealing with the coronavirus and some of his sort of concerns and things that he wanted to get out there. Yeah. Everybody take care of each other. Stay home. Do what you can do, which may not feel like much, but it is helping. Don't lose hope. <laughs>